Welcome to another hour of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. And this week, we've got a few things to talk about. Uh, we spent the last week doing a lot of research on different things and found that we were spending a lot of time on uh, online forums. Online forums, yeah. The, the, uh, a lot of people find themselves gravitating towards online forums. It's, you know, like-minded people go to discuss topical information, and obviously we spend a lot of time on uh, paddling forums. Yeah, and there's there's quite a number of them there. As we started uh, doing some research, we found a, a lot of them. One of the ones that really got me started back in the day, however, and I gotta, I just gotta say, uh, Barry Bridgeford, um, he runs one called AlgonquinAdventures.com, and it's all about Algonquin Park, which is uh, where I did I did a lot of my canoe tripping, and still do a lot of my canoe tripping in Algonquin Park. But Barry has uh, AlgonquinAdventures.com. And it's all centers around paddling um, in Algonquin Park and the preservation and leave no trace and, and stuff like that. Uh, Barry's actually one of the, or probably the main reason I got into uh, doing this radio show uh, as well. So, um, yeah, you know what? We, we, I spend a, a lot of time on his forum checking out paddling stuff and um, getting into, you know, what's, what's available. And, you know, that, that got me into the paddling that got me into, uh, learning about new gear, get me into one of the things they do is food and recipes and stuff like that. Uh, myself included, I like my, one of the first forums when I first moved to Ontario about 15 years ago is, uh, I was looking for something different and new to do. And, and Algonquin Adventures is the first forum I came across. And it really, I, I didn't even know that Algonquin Park had existed. And from this forum, just from looking at paddling and, and my days when I was doing some white water paddling, I was looking for more flat water. It was, uh, Algonquin Adventures really what drew me into this, the group of people that I do hang with now and do a lot of tripping with. Yeah, that's where I've met a lot of my friends, uh, canoeing friends there. Um, you, you started out there and then you branch out afterwards. But the forums are, for anybody that uh, is getting into, especially getting into the, the canoeing, kayaking and paddling, um, forums I find are a really good place to start. Well, it's a place where you can go, like I know when I went to the forums because at work I didn't know a lot of people that did a lot of paddling and whatever. And so I was getting into it and I needed to find somebody that I could find advice from. You know, I, I you know, I didn't know how far I could paddle, flat water paddle in one day. I didn't know what a good route was. I wasn't sure about how to pack gear and what gear I should have. So it, it gave me a resource of experienced people who did know. And you find a lot of people who are new to whatever sport you are into. And they, uh, they all gravitate to these forums just for it's a it's a tool it's a resource it brings like like I said before like-minded people together and uh, it was invaluable for me I learned a lot just that first year or two when I first got into flat water paddling well with me it's you know I, I was just doing the the car camping thing and you know I go to a lake and paddle around the lake but when I started hitting the online forums I realized how much how much more you're missing yeah, how much more was out there in the backcountry? Um, and yeah, I, I learned, you know, if you're going to do the portage, here's what you need to do. Here's how to do it. Here's what you should take with you if, if you're going for a day. And if you're going longer, you know, here's some tips and tri tricks to, to use. And, and, and as you say, you know, the um, different areas to go, different trip reports that you can read up on and, and see what's out there and where you can go and what to expect. It's it's really a huge resource uh, that's out there online for everybody to get into. Uh, and it's even gone on to, uh, like I say, from AlgonquinAdventures.com, um, uh, our friend Mark Rubino, who we talked about solo paddling with a couple of shows ago, he started his Algonquin Park uh, forums. Um, yeah, what's the, what's the address for that one? Uh, AlgonquinParkForums.com. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's branched out and he's done stuff as well. Now, whereas Barry's Algonquin Adventures is strictly Algonquin Park, uh, Mark's Algonquin Park Forums does Algonquin Park, but it's also got some extra, uh, places where you can go and check out 
farther abroad, not just on, on Algonquin Park. Yeah, he doesn't just grind himself just to the park. No. Algonquin Park. But when you go, you know, after that, you can also go to myccr.com, which is Canadian Canoe Roots. And I mean, those are canoe routes. You can, you can find canoe routes all over Canada. Um, just checking it out, you know, you, you lost canoe routes. And, you know, a, a lot of the forums are built the same with the general discussions, the trip reports, the gear talk, all these different sec- sessions, uh, trip planning, photos, videos, so you can post your own photos that you, you take, classifieds, looking to buy and sell, uh, health, fitness, and skills sections, fishing, mapping and rooting, uh, food and drink, so, you know, you, you learn to cook and share recipes, dehydrated recipes, stuff like that. Uh, but when you go to MyCCR, they all, they do a lot of the, um, they got a section for canoe routes, forums, and research uh, resources. And you can click by province um, in Canada here on different canoe routes that you can check out. And I, I use that, uh, me and uh, some friends at work, we use my CCR and a couple other forums to research. We were looking for old lost canoe routes, something more challenging, something that was off the beaten track. And, and we did a lot of research and, and we used some of these forums to, you know, somebody might've gone there five years ago, left a trip report. So it's a, it's an easy way to find resources and information for a future trip that you want to plan, which is what we did two years ago in Northern Ontario. Yeah. I mean, we, we use some of this stuff from, um, um, my CCR, when, when you're looking at like when we went to Woodland Caribou in Northern Ontario, you know, you you want some little tips and stuff like that, that what people found. And yeah, you find stuff like that on these, on these forums. Uh, another good one is paddling.net, which is pretty easy to remember. Um, they even do talk to uh, a stand up paddleboard section on their forums, kayaking sections, wilderness tripping, um, you know, the boundary waters and beyond that sort of stuff. Uh, down through the states and um, lots of stuff on there. And again, there's the general, they call it their bicker and banter discussion forum. So just your general catch-all topics are into that one. And if you remember this one, canoeing.com, because that's a hard one to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the destinations and routes, uh, they got a section on Woodland Caribou Provincial Park. Uh, Gear, and that's a big one for me is the gear. Because you can throw out there uh, on the Algonquin Adventures uh, website this week, we've been talking about somebody's looking to get a new uh, PFD. And they're saying, you know, what's the best one out there? What do people prefer? And yeah, there's, there's a couple that people have been throwing out there, but it really helps you um, make a more informed decision based on people that are actually using it. How they've used it. Exactly. Because yeah. you can go to one, uh, a website, you can go to MEC or whatever, and, and you find what the manufacturer states. It's just a dry description of what the PFD is does, right? But with online discussions and forums, it's like an easy way to see how people have customized it, how it does for them, how they've used it in the water, how, you know, it, it's floatability. It's actual on the ground or on the water experience. Yeah. And these are, these are real life people, you know, because sometimes when I go to, to a website, yeah, you go to a website and you see an item that you're looking at buying and you read the, the 15 reviews, you don't know who's put those reviews there. And that's the old thing is, is, oh yeah, it's just the company getting their own employees to put these great reviews. So at least when you're on the forums and you're, you get to know these people, then you know, they're honest reviews from these people. Unbiased. Yeah. Unbiased opinions. And they're saying, you know what? I really like this and I really like that. And when I bought this piece, I got the extra thing to go with it or I didn't need that thing. And you know, and and it's good, it's good for the gear talk and stuff. And same with if you're getting a new uh, canoe or a kayak or whatever you can, if you're tossing up ideas between, you know, like I say, I'm looking at a new, a new canoe and do I get the kneeling thwart? Do I get the kneeling pads? Do I get carbon fusion or, you know, just stick with the Kevlar fusion? Do I get the wood trim? Do I get the aluminum trim? And these are the little things that you can go online to these forums and just throw these questions out there. And there's people that will, will answer you. And let's say I found this is great. This isn't, and you know, you can make informed decisions about it. And when we discussed uh, discussing forums, we, when we talked about this topic for today, I, sort of my goal was like anybody who's listening to this right now probably goes to a forum, but we thought we would introduce the fact that 
what other forums are out there that there's some of the forums during our research for this uh this segment i didn't even realize some of these forums existed and there's uh from last week's episode the uh what is it kayak camper kayakcamper.com kayakcamper.com i didn't even know well, that one was just formed that website was just formed the week prior right so it's it's a good way for us to introduce stuff that you may not be aware of either a a forum that you're not used to that you don't usually go to or topical discussions that you didn't think would be online well that's you know i mean being in ontario here how much do we really know about out west yet here there is west coast paddler uh, a sea kayaker forum you know um <clears throat> they do talk about other stuff, boat accessories and building, uh, trip, re- and again, trip reports, general discussion, buy and sell photography, meals and planning, you know, like, you know, if I'm not paddling out in BC or on the, along the, uh, the West coast, for it. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking for it. So it's nice to just go online and start seeing all these different things. And, you know, you Google, Google is a wonderful thing for that. Just finding the information that's out there. Now, what I also like about, um, the forums is the menu sections, the food sections. Because when I first got into the canoe tripping, you know, you're bringing all this heavy stuff, the food, right? You're bringing in meat and you're bringing in, you know, like everything that's just way too heavy. And by going through these forums, I have found, you know, people say, oh, this is, this is a sample menu I do. This is what I do for breakfasts. This is what I do for, for lunches and dinners. And, and the, you know, that got me into all my dehydrating, um, you know, and doing, you know, things as making your own spices and stuff like that. Dehydrating spaghetti sauce so that, you know, you're not taking in 15 pounds of water, (laughs) you know, it's, everything's dehydrated and you throw it in a, an algae bottle at the beginning of the day or whatever. And. You know, by the end of the, the day, when you get to your, your campsite, if you're doing a canoe trip or what, whatever, um, is rehydrated and you don't need to be carrying all that extra weight. And it's, you know, you're not worried about a, a bag exploding mm-hmm. with all this sauce in it, you know? Um, and that really was huge because I, I probably lost 20 pounds of pack weight just by starting to go the dehydrated route and it saves you a lot of uh it saves you a lot of weight but it also enables you to carry something into the backcountry that you wouldn't normally bring because you just well i can't carry that that's too much weight or that's too much liquid or that's too much whatever so you know dehydrating it's it makes amazing difference for what i'm able to take in the backcountry and you get a bit more customizable meals well and you know what like you can eat a lot better as well, when you're in the back country, um, just by bringing this sort of stuff, you know, it, we did, um, you bring it in segments, but I know when we went to Woodland Caribou, uh, provincial park, we brought in, uh, dehydrated potatoes, like potato flakes, which you buy and then dehydrated some corn and dehydrated, uh, beef, which was already cooked and seasoned and everything like that. And then one of the meals, you rehydrate everything. And you've got yourself uh, like shepherd's pie and it's actually was, was good. You know, you're, you're eating these big meals you eat at home. It just takes a little bit more to, to, to rehydrate everything. How did you, did you bake it or did you just reformat it and, and cook it in a pot? We just cooked everything in like re, re, like the shepherd's pie. Yeah. No, we, we just did it in segments. We set out bowls afterwards, like after everything was rehydrated okay. and then you'd take a scoop of Build the meat and you'd take some, some, uh, some of the veggies and throw them in and then you take the potato to put it on top and that's a right. great idea i never would have thought to do that yeah that actually that was mark rubino there when uh when we went up he 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 brought that and we're just like well <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah you know <laughs> it never occurred to me to do that but that's what we did the tacos the one night we did the tacos you know you bring in the the soft uh, tortilla shells and you bring in the dehydrated uh meat and then you just rehydrate the meat and you throw it in the tortilla shells. Now you don't have, you know, the, the lettuce and you don't have, I mean, you can bring in the cheese and, and tomatoes if you're going to do that first day sort of thing, but I, I'm not wanting to throw all that stuff into a pack and you're going to squish your tomatoes and stuff. Exactly. Yes. But I mean, you know what, for, for a, a nice big Mexican style night, I guess you're, you're getting the tortillas, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is stuff that you never... You know, you never thought to bring. And long gone are the days of a can of beans and in the backcountry. Yeah. 
So I, I guess uh, topical as it is, like forums, I guess in a way our show is becoming and would be becoming a forum for people who listen in. Basically, yeah. This is, you know, a good forum for sharing information out there and they can go to it. Like I say, when we, we put out the website and the, the Facebook page and with all the information, yeah. And that can lead them to the, the other forums and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of information out there and I think anybody that wants to get into paddling of any kind, definitely hit the forums because it's it's such a huge amount it's a resource. of information. It's an informational resource that most people would know about but some people it, it it brings you into a sport it brings you into something if like for people who are listening to this show from reno viola's uh, outdoor radio network you may be into hunting or fishing and it may not have occurred to you about paddling backcountry and what that can introduce to you so basically listening to this show you're going to start hitting some forums and forums and it might get you into paddling we're not sure exactly who all are listening to this show but it's going to be a cross-section of people who do go into the Reno Viola Outdoor Radio Network. Yeah, and you know what? There's lots of different people that can listen and, and find out different things. Um, now, one of the other things is I'm into the photography, you know, and there's, there's a lot, almost every website uh, forum I've come across has a section on photos and videos. Which is understandable. People want to share and show what they've seen and what they've witnessed and what they've experienced. And, and photography, like, you know, like they say, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. You can really express what you enjoyed on your trip. And I love looking at people's trip reports with photos with sunsets or sunrises and pictures of storms. It's just an amazing resource alone. Just you can put yourself in somebody else's place and how they enjoyed their trip. Yeah. And I like it because I can go online when I'm searching up some of my photos and stuff and I'm looking at different ideas. I can go online anywhere to any of these photo places and check different photos people have done. But what I can't check out is how somebody got a photo from a canoe or from a kayak or in the back country without all this extra stuff. And people can give you your tips and tricks on, you know what, I've got a, uh, a tripod that clamps to one of the thwarts or the gunnel, um, you know, and I mount it a certain way sort of deal so that I can get that kind of photo. And these are the little tips and tricks that, that you're going to learn off of the forums, you know, and it, like I say, it, it goes everywhere from little detailed bits to long, um, involved, um, information, uh, giving it, giving it out to people on, on, on trip reports and, and whatnot. So it's definitely a good thing. Uh, if you can, we're going to post some of these on our, our Facebook site and, uh, probably our website, I guess we'll post some of these forums to get you started and yeah, if, if pass them around and if you know anybody that's getting into, to paddling or, or right into it, check out some of these things because there's a lot of information on it. Yes, so uh, go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. You'll find a list of these. In the meantime, we'll just list off the uh, what forums we did look up. Well, the, like I say, the main one that I've been on for ages is algonquinadventures.com. Uh, and that's all about Algonquin Park. Um, the other one, which is from Marcus Rubino, is algonquinparkforums.com. And yeah, you can get out there and it's, it's mostly Algonquin Park, but there are other spots as well, um, that you can go outside of Algonquin. Uh, then there's the, and this is a biggie, is the, the MyCCR, M-Y-C-C-R dot com. Um, that's the Canadian canoe routes and you can find canoe routes all over Canada as well as a whole bunch of other information. But if you're looking for check out something and a place you'd like to paddle. That's yeah. a perfect place to it's start. It's a fantastic resource. If you're wondering about Northwest Territories or British Columbia or w- what routes you can paddle across Canada, you can find anything here. Yeah. Um, the two easy ones are paddling.net and canoeing.com. When you're paddling and you're canoeing. Uh, just one's .net, one's .com. And the last one, like I say, I didn't know this one existed until I started checking out different forums was westcoastpaddler.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's, they have a bunch of different information as well on these sites, but you go to the community or you go to the forums or the message board sections, and there's a whole bunch of information to, to check out on all these. And again, we're going to put these on, uh, paddlingadventuresradio.com for people to check out and uh, our Facebook page as well, paddlingadventures.com on Facebook. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys can uh, get a bunch of information to help you out in your next paddling trips and 
everything, you know, menus and buying a new canoe and kayak and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, so that's about it. And uh, I think we'll just take a quick break here and we'll come back. And there's another thing I'd like to talk about, something from the good old days. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. That definitely brings back some memories. Uh, Log Drivers Waltz it, uh, resides on National Film Board of Canada website. Uh, anybody who grew up in the 70s and 80s should recall that uh, that music, that song. Uh, in researching for segments on our show, we keep coming across National Film Board uh, resources with uh, uh, Bill Mason, uh, Caesar's Bark Canoe, uh, Voyagers, uh, Building a Kayak. So. A lot of there's a lot of resources on National Film Board of Canada, and they they've been making segments and movies since I think the 40s, isn't it, Sean? Oh, way back, yeah. Uh, one of the first ones I remember sitting in school, and our teacher put on um, uh, Paddle to the Sea, one of Bill Mason's films, and it's uh, basically a, a native uh, boy carves a canoe over the winter, puts it on the uh, frozen stream and then come spring when everything melts oh, it goes down i forgot about that one yeah it goes down the river to the great across the great lakes and out to the sea uh yeah that's uh, the national film board of canada i remember growing up and seeing them on tv all the time just small you know some of the small ones and Plus, little yeah, films just segments like they and they do uh, either as short as like a minute or two all the way up to like hour-long programs that they have yeah and you can go to go to the national film board of canada site that uh, nfb.ca uh, they'll they've got tons of stuff and you can there's a search there that you can do when you can type in anything I mean it's not only limited to to uh, canoe stuff and whatnot I mean that's just what we go through but there's tons of films there but if you do happen to go there and search for canoe or you search for kayak there's a lot of stuff that comes up one of the big contributors back in the the 70s and 80s um, and I think even in the, in the 60s, was Bill Mason. Uh, Bill Mason's film Water Walker is, I mean, everybody I know that's into canoe tripping has, has seen it or heard of it and ha, has watched it. I mean, I've never seen it. You've never seen <laughs> never Water seen Walker? I've never seen Water Walker, no. <laughs> I think I'm going to be looking for a new co-host soon. You've oh, never I, seen Water Walker I by Bill Mason? Really? I haven't seen it, no. Wow. Dude, got to hook you up. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, NFB.ca. <laughs> oh, is it on, is, it's on there yeah. too, is Oh, it? yeah, it's right on there. Just type it in, Water Walker. So what is Water Walker? Describe it's, it to It's me. an hour and a half movie um, about canoe tripping. Uh, and Well, canoe tripping and canoeing on a hole. He gets into the white water aspect of it with friends and stuff. He gets into the portaging. And some of the film, uh, the, the scenery and stuff where he's going uh, is pretty neat. I mean, he's one point he's walking through a bog up to his waist, uh, mud bog, and pushing his canoe through, you know, to get to the open water. Okay. And, 
and whatnot. Really, really great. And it's, it's all like Northern Superior, Lake Superior um, footage and stuff. So, but he's got other thing, things, uh, movies in there as well, like Song of the Paddle. And that's when uh, he takes his family out paddling over the course of, a, a, I guess it's supposed to be a summer and stuff. But uh, they all talk about the paddling and the white water and stuff like that. And that's, that's what it is. One of the other things, if you want to start, and I, you got to remember, these are back from in the 70s and 80s. Um, in the 70, 77, I do believe it is, uh, he started um, a series of Path of the Paddle series of films. And they're only, you know, uh, half hour long episodes and stuff. But it's, you got solo basic canoeing, doubles basic, just the basics of canoeing. Uh, as a solo paddler or a doubles paddler and he gets in the solo white water and the doubles white water and yeah so it's it's neat little things to see and you can you can watch them right on your your laptop or your computer um but they're way back in the day so some of it may not be pertinent to today yes. you know but it's pretty neat to see some of the stuff there well it's almost historical documentation right you, you go through and see how the the canoeing and kayaking life developed over the years yeah and you talked caesar's bark canoe um he was a 67 what is it 67 year old native north of montreal and they follow him building a birch bark canoe from scratch Mm -hmm. everything from stripping the bark off of a birch tree um and it's all made the 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 traditional way uh, with the, the 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 spruce roots and the gum and and all that sort of stuff. That one I've seen. It's a very interesting video to see. The ma- it it makes me want to make a a a, a, a birch bark canoe. Bark canoe. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's only an hour long film, and again, you can watch it right on your your screen here. But you you see what it takes to do one. And realistically, when you're I mean, when you're thinking about about it when you watch the film. It looks like I could do that. That's yes. pretty easy. When you start to do it at your own house, I think it's going to be a bit different. <laughs> I'm curious you know. how long it took him. It doesn't really say in the description for the video how long it took him to build it, but I imagine it's uh, over a week or two. Oh, I would think so at least. Um, well, there, there's one film there. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically a survival skills movie. And one of the uh, National Film Board producers goes out with a with with a gentleman and they have to survive and build a canoe to get out yeah when i saw that it reminded me of like survivor man of the 50s yeah well it was from i think 54 i just yep. can't i just blanking on the Ander- name right his now. last name's anderson yeah um but you if, if they're out there for you know a few weeks and he's he builds a canoe well if you can believe you know what you're seeing um because some of it's kind of hokey uh, from way back in the day. Um, but, you know, if, if you can have the area and, and the, the materials, there's no reason you couldn't actually build one. My biggest thing about building a birch bark canoe would be, where are you getting that much birch bark anymore? I don't think I've ever seen a tree big enough to do uh, a, a, a full full canoe anymore. So, but yeah, and then if you go into the search and hit kayak, they actually show, um, there, there's a film, it's about, again, it's into two parts and it's about an hour long total, building a kayak, part one and two. And they actually show a couple of uh, Eskimo, uh, Inuit, uh, Inuit, Inuit uh, men building a kayak. Um, they also show, you know, their, their spearing, I assume it's Arctic char, really, really big ones. And they're eating it and, you know, that sort of deal. So there's more to it than just the, the building the kayak, but that's the main main premise of the, the movie is the kayak. And seeing how they're doing it way up north where, you know, there, are no, there aren't tons of trees and, and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. It's interesting to see them for that one there. I watched it the other day and they... Right from scratch, they build it with the with the seal hides, and it's, so it's a it's a skin over bone and wood structure. And it was interesting to watch them build it because it's you see them they don't have tools. They were using rocks as hammers, and and they were 
you know, driving wooden nails through wooden boards to hold the structure together. It was very interesting to watch them build it. And it's, it's, I, they just dropped somebody with a camera and watched them build this over several days, these kayaks. It, it's fascinating to see the, uh, the natural way that they build and construct these kayaks. Yeah, and it's, it's, again, you know, from the 60s and 70s, I mean, things have changed since then. But, yeah, it's very interesting watching all this sort of stuff, you know. So, yeah, if you go to the National Film Board and start Googling all this stuff, and even uh, when you um, Google canoe or uh, search out canoe on the National Film Board site, um, there's some other little things you get down there, rivers life, river of life, sorry, and... Uh, um, there's the voyageurs and that follows a group of men, um, in a long voyager canoe. And they, they, they basically follow a route that the old voyageurs would, would go, um, travel and they, down. And they use one of the old, they actually built for this segment, the, they built a voyager canoe and these suckers are, I don't know, I think they're like 20 feet long, 25 foot long mm-hmm. canoe type thing with like six or seven people in it. And if you go to, um, I, I know there's a uh, display up at the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough, Ontario. They show the uh, an old Voyager canoe, and these guys would uh, roll these canoes up on shore and sleep under them as a uh, as a shelter. And and during the day, they'd carry these things, and they would be clearing, uh, you know, uh, through the trees to get across these portages. And it's very interesting to watch. Yeah, and there's a lot of little vignettes they call them, little short quick films. I mean, these are the ones we used to see in, in school. You know, the teacher would put them on quickly. And yeah, it's all about, uh, like there's one another one called the Voyageurs. And yeah, they're just little quick little things. But it gives you a, a history of paddling. Um, and, and it is informational, you know, like how they used to do stuff. Now, you know, not everything is way back in the day, but a lot of, a lot of it is. And they're still making films to this day, but yeah, you definitely, I would, I would check out the National Film Board of Canada, uh, nfb.ca. If anything else, just, uh, you know, some entertainment and, and whatnot. But check out, uh, like I said, one of the really interesting ones was Caesar's Bark Canoe. Mm-hmm. And right from scratch, he builds a birch bark canoe. And, uh, you know, at the end, they're, they're paddling it around. Really interesting to see how that was done. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful canoe. When you see the end product at the end of the video, it's it's pretty fantastic to see this thing that he built just by hand and just paddled it out onto the lake. Well, you know, it's the traditional way to do it. You know, before all the lightweight Kevlar canoes and everything came in, um, that's what the way, that's what it was. Everybody had a birch bark canoe. I mean, you're, you know, there wasn't all the technology and lightweights and, you know, uh, stuff out there for, for people to use. So, traditional you know when the voyagers were coming around they were all birch bark yeah and canada was grown and created on the canoe the ca- that's how canada was discovered and that's how people traveled back in the day at uh, at the inception of canada and uh, overseas like they uh the canoe they call the canoe they call it the canadian because canoe in, over in europe is is a kayak so when they talk about a canoe it's uh here we call them canoes. Over there they call them Canadians. Yeah, and there's there's lots of stuff on here to be be checking all that out. Uh, but for you, Derek, mm-hmm. I think you need to be checking out this <laughs> site Walker. and watch Water Walker <laughs> for sure. There's another one, a little one uh, Bill Mason did about uh, Puckasqua National Park. Um, it's up uh, off Lake Superior, Lake Superior as well. Uh, it's a, a neat little one. It just gives a little. It's a little 17-minute video about the park itself. Uh, but, yeah, definitely check out Water Walker. Derek. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen that one. That's, that's, that's lead, just bad. I lead a sheltered life. You do. You do. So check it out, National Film Board of Canada, uh, nfb.ca. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. 
Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. So we've talked on previous shows about getting ready for uh, summer paddling season, you know, we're getting ready to get new gear and trip stuff planning. like that. Yeah. So when we're trip planning, what are some of the big trips that are out there? Um, you know, if you're local to the Toronto area, you know, a lot of your trips, they plan around like Algonquin Park, uh, the French River, the um, Killarney, Quetico, stuff like that. That's That's sort of central to south Ontario way you can get some good trips uh in 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 those areas mm-hmm. if you want to go a little farther afield you can go into wabakimi and you can go into woodland caribou now, woodland caribou requires it's um, a little harder to get to it is harder to get to it takes some effort you know i mean if you're driving it's, it's 24 hour drive from toronto so uh, straight up there and then you gotta paddle in or fly in whichever you're gonna do now you did the woodland caribou did you not I have done Woodland Caribou and, uh, like I say, we drove up there, it's 24 hours and then we flew in and they, they drop you right on a lake in the middle of a lake, um, and say, see you in a couple of weeks. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to be there. The difference between places like Algonquin where there's campsites, uh, posted campsites and posted, um, portages and all that sort of thing. And thunder boxes and yeah. all the... When you start getting into destinations like Woodland Caribou, that doesn't exist. Yes, it's more remote. It's more... there. You're you're in the backcountry and you're on your own. Yeah, you are... I mean, they have, you know, little cairns, little pile of rocks where the, the portages start. Um, the portages aren't a big wide trail. They're, you know, there's some blazes on the tree and you've got to look from you know, find these blazes and you find your way along, you know, the little path, um, which sometimes disappears totally. And the only reason, you know, there's a campsite is you see a circle of rocks, you know, there, there's no thunder boxes for you to, to sit on. And, you know, you've got it, you go back, you dig your little hole in the, in the ground and do your business. You're going to be challenging your backcountry skills and you're going to be challenging your map reading skills. Oh, big time, big time. I mean, nowadays with the technology, you've got your um, GPS and that sort of thing too, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, I mean, these require a lot more planning. Yeah, a little bit more extensive planning for, for a uh, remote trip like that, as opposed to something that might be more closer, like Algonquin Park or Killarney. And it's uh, it's one, but it's just one of those trips that, it's one of those epic trips that you kind of dream about, that you want to challenge yourself. You want to do something different, something off the beaten track. Well, it's funny because I did a lot of canoe tripping in Algonquin and yeah, it it gets, it's popular. So if something goes wrong or, you know, eventually somebody's going to be passing you by, (laughs) whereas you get into Woodland Caribou or a place like that, you know, you, (laughs) it may be quite a while till somebody passes by, if at all. You need to be self-reliant. And often with um, some of the remoter trips like Woodland Caribou, it's most like, like uh, for me, I would uh, be renting a satellite phone. Yeah, we, we look- went the spot route because we, I own one. So, you know, I'm, I'm not into the carrying the satellite phone around. If something happens, I'm pressing the, the SOS button on spot and, and somebody's coming to get me. I don't want to be phoning people. And it's too much of a, I don't know, having a phone is, is too much of a temptation to be calling home or calling somebody, you know, hey, we're having a great time up here. <laughs> yeah. That I sort suppose. of deal. So, you know, I, I'll stick with the spot unit. But I thought doing all the canoe tripping in Southern Ontario, Central Ontario, you know, that's pretty cool. And then Woodland Caribou opportunity came around and, you know, I said, oh, well, this is a once in a lifetime sort of thing. You know, what's the chance I'm going to get to do something like this again? And you go up there and you have a great time. You're thinking, man, it doesn't get better than this. And then you start to look at the maps and you realize that there are bigger and better, better trips. Yes. And all of a sudden you start, okay, well, I've done the Woodland Caribou thing now. I need something bigger. (laughs) And you start looking at a lot of the popular um, 
more well-known, I don't know well-known, but uh, more popular out-of-the-way destinations. Like we've talked about the Nahani in, you know, up the Northwest Territories and that. I, you start talking about that and there's a lot of white water and it's, it's, it seems to be popular. A lot of people I know have done the Nahani. Yeah, you hear a lot of talk about the Nahani. I've, I've always shied away from it because I don't have the proper whitewater skills for doing something of that right. uh, nature. I, I tend to be, I aim more towards flat water tripping and, and easier rivers. You know what, and that, that's what I do as well. But when you start doing the research of all these, you know, something different than you're used to, mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely one of them. But I mean, if you're into the white water, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of white water, a lot of nice long canoe trip or, you know, but you can get into things like the Colorado River going through the Grand Canyon in Arizona. Yes, that's an you epic know, one you always think about when you think of epic white water and long trips. Yeah, I mean, you're getting out of the canoe and the kayak and you're getting into a raft, mm-hmm. but you're doing these multi-day trips through, I mean, the scenery is is totally different than what we're used to up here. You know, it's not all the, the, the pine trees and, and stuff. You know, you, you, it's the Grand Canyon, you know. Then you get the Salmon River in Idaho. I mean, that's, that's supposed to be one of the most scenic spots. Um, and again rafting, multi-day trips, and, you know, fantastic. It's, it's out of what, what we usually do. Uh, when I say we, I mean me, yourself, um, and, the, and the group that we usually go with. It's, it's not something that we're, we're generally into, but it definitely gets you thinking about different um, destinations. You know, I mean, you, you've seen guys now talking about doing the Mississippi. Yes. You know, you want to get yes. in your canoe and just do a nice trip on down the Mississippi. A lot of, you know, just go with the current sort of deal. There's a lot and, of river traffic on the Mississippi. It might be, it would be a very interesting trip. There's a lot of barges, a lot of boats. And so it might be more interesting than you'd want to be on the Mississippi. I, I think. would think in spots it definitely would be. Um, but my interests lie in, in the North. They always have. Yes. You know, the farther north I can get, the better it's going to be. So we start looking at places um, like the Mackenzie River, you know, and they're saying the longest river in Canada, 1,800 kilometers. It starts in Hay River on uh, Great Slave Lake in the Northwest Territories. And you can go all the way up to, I guess, one of the main spots people go to is Inuvik. But if you want to go that little bit farther into the Beaufort Sea and get to Tuktoyaktuk, you can I mean, that's a lot of, that's 1800 kilometers worth of paddling. That's, um, that's a, that would be an epic trip. <laughs> that would be. And I mean, they they say that from Hay River to Inuvik is about four to seven weeks. I mean, you could make it last longer, but that's, that's, that's a pretty cool trip. You know? It is. And you most likely you'd be doing smaller sections if you're going to be doing something like that. I'm not sure. I don't know anybody that can take uh, four to seven weeks off of work and <laughs> do a trip like that. Well, if you ever become unemployed, <laughs> that's the time to do it. Or you win the lotto. Yeah. Or yeah, the lottery <laughs> would be great. Um, the other one you're thinking about is out west, uh, sorry, out east. Um, if you want to start a, a river that has both flat water and white water, and covers two countries, you can go to the St. John River. The St. John River starts in Maine, and as it goes through the Maine wilderness, it's nice flat water, easy paddling. But as you get close to Canada, it turns into aggressive white water. And yeah, I mean, you got a lot of it that's white water. Um, You definitely need the white water experience. You're not going to be taking it easy. And it'll go all the way down to the Bay of Fundy, where in, in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, where it ends. I grew up in St. John, near St. John, New Brunswick, and I'm, I'm a bit more familiar with this river. It's uh, it's a very interesting river, and where it skirts along the border near Edmonston, you that's the most of the whitewater sections. And as you travel further south into New Brunswick, and as you approach the uh, the area around St. John, New Brunswick. It, it's a lot of flat water paddling. It's a wide river. You see, I, I grew up sailing on the St. John River. And it, the, at the mouth of the river, it uh, drops into or it opens up into the Bay of Funday. And that's an interesting aspect there. It's uh, what you have is the reversing falls in St. John, New Brunswick. So the St. John River flows both directions. So at low tide, when the Bay of Funday is low, the St. John River, you have a class three whitewater that passes under the under the uh, 
the reversing falls bridge and when high tide is in the river changes direction and you have the salt water bay of funday water flowing backwards up the saint john river so it's interesting you actually have a in some of the lower sections of the saint john river you have actually have tidal effects on the river so this river is it's a long slow river and at near the bottom and then you have that difference in height and you have the you get to experience it's it's very minor it's just only like a foot or so which that change on this lower st john river but it's a very interesting river you they now do jet boat trips they do white water through the reversing falls you can do it either way but the st john river is a very interesting river and i often i grew up in st john you don't really think about the river as being that big and that epic but uh, it's it's a very nice river to run yeah i mean there's there's a lot of rivers out there that you know, and um, in in destinations you always want to to check out, and yeah, where where the rivers actually meet the ocean or meet the seas and stuff like that, it's got to be a total different experience uh, with the tidal effects and stuff exactly, like that, yes. right? Like even going up into James Bay and whatnot in the Hudson's Bay, you know, you get some of these big rivers going up through there, which are popular, um, and, and I'm sure you're you're doing this exact same thing, you know, you get the tidal uh, effects and whatnot. So if you had to pick somewhere, anywhere, one river that you wanted to do as a destination, what would your river be? For me, myself, I've always, uh, and this is back from, I was reading in uh, Outside Magazine, it had to be like 15 years ago, I read an article about a group of guys from Toronto, they got together and they they planned this uh, expedition style trip on the Porcupine River. The Porcupine River, it's a uh, it's a 900 kilometer river. It's uh, the tributary. It travels from Yukon all the way down in through into Alaska, and ends at Fort Yukon on the Yukon River. So the Porcupine River, it it's it, it's a long, slow. There's no there's no significant whitewater. There's a short sections of like a Class One uh, whitewater, which is easily done. Uh, Karen Jetmar of the she wrote the uh, guidebook the Alaska River Guide. She says it's an excellent novice river trip for those experienced in remote wilderness travel. I've always dreamed of doing this trip ever since I read that article in Outside Magazine. It uh, just the way they described the river, how they initially fought the, the the river's currents and they you know tried to follow a line down the river and eventually they just kind of rafted their canoes together and and float ran the river it just sounded like such a classic trip and such a lazy and easy trip you just go with the flow and follow the river and for me i i love that relaxing idea of of a uh, of an epic river trip it uh so it, that's one of the things that i want to do that one of my epic dreams is to do the porcupine river that sounds like a nice river to do so what about you what's your dream river i have one that's a bit farther north um, it's, uh, they say it's the longest river in Canada. No, I'm sorry, not the longest river, Lo- uh, northern, more most northern, most northern river in Canada. And that's up on Banks Island in Olivik National Park. It's the Thompson River. And I, I like this river because, I mean, it's, it's flat, nice and easy to do. There's a short window that you can paddle this river, usually like last week of june to the last week of july and that's it otherwise it's frozen over it's too cold or the water level goes down since the river itself it comes from the glacier or the uh, the the ice melt um so as the summer goes on the, the melt is finished and there's there's you know no more water sort of sort of thing it's too too shallow but there's a lot of human history up there there's wildlife the largest population of musk oxen is up there uh, in the world um and yeah just the history the human history up there and just the different types of the the tundra um isn't what we're we're used to uh so i think i think out of all the rivers there's just so much that that offers that uh, that that's got to be my my uh my my destination of choice so hopefully one day i'll get up to banks island and do the thompson river and you can get to the porcupine. <laughs> That'd be nice. And uh, yeah, you know what? Everybody's got to have those vacations, uh, trips um, that they've got in the back of their mind that, you know what? That's the one I want to do. The future plan. 
It is. And it's not something that you're planning for the next year sort of deal because trips like this do end up costing a bit more yes. than, than your normal trips, you know? So yeah, hopefully it, it all works out and we can do that sort of thing and, uh, you know, hit your destinations and do all the planning and that gives you something to look forward to, right? Exactly. That, that someday next year, next year, that's the trip I'm going to do next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think mine will be a little bit more than next year, but yes, that's the, uh, the Thompson River is going to take a little bit of savings, I think. Yeah, a lot of savings. <laughs> You're talking about winning the lottery? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy, pal, friend, oh mine. Yes. <laughs> now that it's spring, are you thinking of the new paddling season? If so, here are some upcoming events to help you get ready for the paddling season. April 1st through 3rd, the New England Paddle Sports Show at the University of New Hampshire in Durham, New Hampshire. On April 2nd through 3rd, Montreal Outdoor Adventure and Travel Show. April 16th is the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium at the Princess Twin Cinemas in Waterloo. Very few tickets left. On April 15th through 17th is the East Coast Paddle Sports and Outdoor Festival at the James Island County Park in Charleston, South Carolina. And finally, on April 22nd through 24th, the Outdoor Adventure Expo, hosted by the Midwest Mountaineering in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Go to paddlingadventuresradio.com for links to these and other events. And if you have an event you would like us to share, simply drop us a line. You've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.